0: I have lived my life as best I could, not knowing its purpose, but drawn forward like a moth to a distant moon. And here, at last, I discover a strange truth, that I am only a conduit for a message that eludes my understanding. Who are we who have been so blessed to share our stories like this, to speak across centuries? Maybe you will answer all the questions I have asked. Maybe you'll be the one to make all of this suffering worth something in the end. Ezio Auditore da Firenze, May 1512. Hello, I'm Andrew, and I want to welcome you to Visions of the Past, a podcast all about the lore of Assassin's Creed. This is episode 83, and today we're going to have a little conversation about the future of the series. But we're not going to have this conversation alone. Today, we're joined by someone that I've known a long time and one recognized by Ubisoft for posting on Reddit, a workaround for the Avenge quests. You may know him as The Elf. Hello, everyone. So when we talk about the future of the series, we kind of have three main pillars that we know of right now. We have the upcoming year of guaranteed content for Valhalla. We have the transmedia properties that have been talked about. And we have the... Well, for lack of a better term, the quote-unquote live service that is supposedly Assassin's Creed Infinity. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and start straight away with what we know is coming within Assassin's Creed Valhalla. First and foremost, we have the second DLC coming in uh, Siege of Paris. It's confirmed for the fall, but we don't have a date, right? Yeah, they, they've been bouncing back and forth a lot between
1: late summer, there's been COVID delays, there's been a few other things, but I imagine we probably should see it here within a couple months, and we can dive right into that and see what, what it's really going to bring.
0: What we do know is it'll take place right around 885 in the Seine River Valley, which at the time was part of the Kingdom of the West Franks. It's confirmed that we're going to see Charles the Fat, and I'm hopeful to see Rolo. He was one of my... Uh, my favorite Vikings in in the the game. New DLC will also have dealings with Order of the Ancients. So, yeah, what
1: that's, that's definitely one thing that I think is going to be interesting. It'll, it'll be very, um uh, I said interesting to see what they do with the order, who is going to be involved in that, and how they tie all this together.
0: Yeah, and that's going to be the big question: is how is it all going to tie together? Will we see? I'm expecting to see haytham because. Uh, well, the Order of the Ancients, and he was the one who really started the wrath of the Druids by um, introducing us to the traitor Azar. Where this could go, who knows? Because if I remember my history right, this was the last push of the the Vikings into Francia, and they were repelled. So it really could go anywhere.
1: No, yeah, I agree. You know, I think a lot of people were disappointed a little bit with Wrath of the Druids. I mean, they saw the Order of the Ancients there. Very curious to see how it tied into England, how it was going to tie into Paris. Uh, and it really seemed like Druids was kind of a, a standalone, in a sense, as far as the Order was concerned. But it'll be very interesting to see where it takes place and how things unravel with Paris.
0: Yeah, and the, I expected the children in Danu to be part of the Order of Ancients, though they turn out not to be. And then everything, my hope, with the Wrath of, not the Wrath of the Druids, my hope with Siege of Paris is that it's not a level 55 area like everything in Wrath of the Druids was. Being the high level that both of us are playing at, it was just a walkthrough. Like there was no challenge to it.
1: Yeah, even with it being on the hardest difficulty. I mean, at this point, you've got people that are max power level, you've got people that are ranking high on the mastery levels. Uh, the difficulty just didn't seem like it was there. Uh, quite frankly, it felt like the story with Druids was a little bit shorter as well. Uh, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people like to rush through things. Some people like to take their time. But even taking their time, it it just felt like it was over so quick. And it uh, didn't feel like there was a lot of replay value with France. So, or
0: with Ireland. Yeah, with
1: Ireland. Uh, so, you know, we were kind of left hanging out there. But then we got the mastery challenges and that really helped unravel uh, a little more of the story, and we got to see a little bit with Apple of Eden and kind of some other things that are going to be happening. So
0: we think we're going to have some ties there in the future as well. Are you? Did you ever play Unity? Okay, so Unity, of course, took place during the French Revolution. The DLC had an Apple of Eden at the very end of it, and I wonder if, her, if Eivor's trip to Paris will end up tying into that Apple.
1: And I believe so. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they've heard a little bit about Odin's illusionary runes, and we think there's definitely a tie in there between the apple, what's coming in the future, and what's going to lie behind each of those illusionary runes, you know, with the six in England, the three in Ireland, and seeing how all nine of those tie together. Uh, There's been a lot of rumors as far as uh, you know, body parts reassembling once you get all nine together, and you know what this is going to lock. Is it going to be armor? Is it going to be a special weapon? Is it going to be something else entirely? But that's all to be seen, and you know something we look forward to finding
0: out. And you and you mentioned Odin because and and I bring Odin up specifically because Siege of Paris isn't the only DLC we have confirmed. We have Musfellheim confirmed some, so we we're going to get some some more mythic realms than just. Than just from what we've seen, so I expect that one in particular to tie in with Basim and Loki's story and what their modern day counterpart, what they're doing. But you, we talked a couple of weeks ago when uh, after E three and Milsfelheim was confirmed that that might not be the first mythic realm that we go to.
1: Yeah, there, there's been a, a lot of back and forth talking that that's possibly going to be the fourth DLC with that with what's going to happen in the third DLC leading up to that point. Uh, So I I don't know if that's really going to be necessarily how it goes. I mean, you know, this is all uh, with the merge of different offices and how they're approaching the DLC and just everything else that they're doing. Um, You know, it it may be an end game, so to speak, uh, or with the work with what we're probably going to be talking about, you know, they may be extending support and content and we may see more than we think we're going to see.
0: So there's a chance that we see something like um, Alfheim or Svaldvalheim, which one was the home of the Light Elves, one is the home of the Dark Elves in Norse mythology, and there's a chance that these areas act like Fate of Atlantis did for the end of Odyssey. It bridged the modern day of Odyssey into the modern day of Valhalla, and we could see... Essentially, these mythic realms doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know that that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about Valhalla was getting into some of the origins of Isu and the tie with Odin and Loki, and you get to see this. You start off at the beginning not realizing it, and towards the end you start getting closer and closer and closer, and these two points converging. And I think that's just going to continue as we get further into these DLCs, as we're going to see more of Odin, more of Loki and just how everything ties together and really where it's going to go for the future.
0: And and if Basil and Loki, are, or Basil and Loki, they're really the same person in the modern day, but if he's looking to quote-unquote reunite his family and we don't know exactly what happened to Fenrir after the mythic arc, we don't know if Hel is one of his children, we don't know if Yortmunger, the world serpent, if, we don't know exactly which... Children, he has, though he did at one point specifically say children. So from an aspect of just Valhalla and a story point, what we know we're going to be getting is interesting, especially after the, what was it, the spectro analysis of, of that little snippet from E3 um, had Loki saying, mad one, what have you done?
1: Yeah, yeah, when they, when they looked at the gate... And the uh, the phrasing around the gate, it really opened up into kind of giving some insight as to where uh, this DLC was going to go. Uh, of course, like I said, you know, we, we don't know if this is really going to be one of the next DLCs that we see after Paris, or if it's just kind of like I said, an end game. And hey, this is where you are going to get in another year, so we've still got a long way yeah. to go uh,
0: with a lot of information to be uncovered between then and now. What I am interested in is like what area physically on earth will Musfelheim correspond with because we know Asgard essentially is Norway and the, the Nordic countries. Jotunheim is North America because of the, of the location of the vault being having the the area and the things within it showing basically things that would have only been in the Grand Temple in New York. So I'm interested in seeing where the inspiration of these nine realms if if it's musfelheim is it a tie-in for the supposed china game the supposed japanese game
1: well and i I know i've also heard a lot of rumors about you know there being tie-ins with africa specifically within the egypt area with the pyramids and everything. So like I said it'll be interesting once we start getting a little further along and development's a little further along to really get some of those snippets, some of the trailers, some of the leaked information, and just tying it all together. Just to kind
0: of you know build our own rumors and kind of see where things go. And that area that of like the Sahara Desert that would make sense for muspelheim and Planet of Fire and Brimstone. And that's not even taking place. Like if if we think about the other realms of Norse mythology, the the Nidavellir, the Neffelheim, the Vanaheim, these are, have to correlate somewhere with a physical location. So just a crazy thought. If Loki and is looking for his children and he's hopping from these locations, he's looking in real locations around the world to see where Odin essentially locked up Fenrir. So it, it could go very interesting way. And, and you mentioned, you, you brought up a point about the leaks. There, of course, have been river raids leaked with um, from data mining from, I believe it was, uh, the French YouTuber Jonathan?
1: Yeah, Jonathan has definitely been one that's been finding out a, a lot of information. And, uh, you know, that's where we got the whole tie-in with Castlevania possibly being nine body parts get them all together, and then something takes place, and that's, that's something that we just don't know about. But, you know, we, we kind of want to see where that's going to happen and what other things are going to be uncovered via the data mining.
0: And speaking of the data mining, we've seen, I think, two new river raids, two, uh, two in Ireland, including Irish enemies. There's uh, one, I believe it's the, the Rhine, so possibly one with Siege of Paris enemies. There is the possibility that we see a return of the Zealots that would eventually lead into cham- uh, Lug's Spear and and Champion Quests and possibly even tying into the podcast I did last week on the Spears of Eden on, on Gabe Balag. And it's we have an interesting updates that are that are coming from at least a gameplay weapon standpoint
1: oh absolutely and i mean i i love the idea of the zealots coming back because you know a lot of times you dive into a game you know you're playing it and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna go to one of the hardest areas and i'm just gonna tackle it and you know i'll make my way through it i don't care what the recommended difficulty is the first time i came across a zealot in valhalla it was just comical because i was like oh yeah look there's this big guy i'm gonna take him down and we'll we'll be done with this in no time and not even making a scratch Got stomped, Reloaded the save, tried again, got stomp. Reloaded the save, tried again, got stomped. So I, I like the idea. I just hope the difficulty is there like we've seen uh, with some of the other Zealots. Possibly some new uh, counter maneuvers by them. Uh, you know, we a lot of people rely on the throwback ability. I just kind of hope that there can be like this back and forth throwing contest. So oh, that would be Just neat. to counter. Uh, but I love the idea of the Zealots coming, uh, you know, throwing a little more harder enemies in there because like i said once you get that higher level it's just a lot
0: of stuff you feel like you can walk over in no time especially with the river raids it felt even like right when they released they felt too easy and well the copy and paste locations aside it just felt too easy and i quickly was like yep done with that
1: yeah i mean i know it was advertised initially there's going to be a lot of replayability and yes you can replay it Uh, you know, there's a lot of small chests in there that are good for, you know, picking up ore and leather if you're trying to upgrade some of your equipment, but it got very tedious, very quick, and there just wasn't a whole lot of reward for the effort put into it. So with some of these new river raids that are coming, I'm really hoping that there's going to be something else to kind of alter that aspect because sure, you know, if new weapons, new armor gets thrown out there, everybody's going to dive in, they're going to play it, they're going to obtain it. And then if there's nothing else to really draw you in, there are no real rewards that are really going to help you grow or change how things are played, then it's going to be the same thing. They're going to gather everything that they need, get the rewards, I'm done, and I'm never going to touch it again.
0: Yep, And that's kind of a question with the uh, mastery challenges, which there's rumors for new mastery challenges, which, to be honest, if, if they're extending the life of the game another year, I would expect New mastery challenges there's those three shrines that are right next to each other um for life me i'm forgetting where they're at
1: yeah i can't remember the location but i know we you know we had a screenshot we had some I, I am kind of thinking that we are going to see some more mastery challenges just because of how the mastery challenge dlc ended with needing more time, that maybe it's possibly going to reveal some more shrines, you've got to do some additional things, get a few more mastery challenges complete, and then that's really going to unlock the potential with the Apple of Eden to then get us further, whether that's towards Odin's Illusionary Runes or towards further in the story. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more there to be seen, and I, I think a lot of folks hoped that when that ended, that there was a little more resolution to the entire thing rather than this cliffhanger that we now have to wait for additional dlc for
0: so do you do you feel like the mastery challenge story is a prelude to the siege of paris story
1: i think there's definitely going to be some tie-ins there i don't think it's like um you know i i say wrath of the druids to where there's not really tie-in to the main story it's got it's it's separate kind of arc but i do feel that there's going to be a tie-in here especially with any sort of free dlc it's a perfect opportunity to expand your content and then tie it into something else. So I really do think there's going to be some more stuff there.
0: Yeah, that's something familiar. I believe Odyssey did that when they released Fate of the Leonist. You had a legacy, a lost tales of, of Greece, lead into the DLC, and that brings us really to, to one more thing that I would expect from uh, Valhalla for, based on what we know. I mean. Really, Eivor could go anywhere because as long as she ends up in North America before her death, who knows when that was, she could go anywhere, really. But Yeah,
1: and that, that, that's one of the things that's kind of interesting. A lot of people tried tying that together between Layla's laptop and trying to figure out how did she end up where she is now. And we know the end result, but it's all the story building up to it and how we get there. Sometimes the journey's, the journey's half the fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: But um, we've seen the pos- We expect and seen through some leaks that we will get at least one more festival. The uh, is it? Uh, I think it's the Sigurblot. and that's apparently a festival based on sacrifice for victory. So that will lead to some interesting things. Because like we when we first got when we got the festivals the first time, we expected them just to be on the calendar wheel: Yule, Ostara. I think uh, the summer one is Lumara or Lunara, something like that. So I thought we'd get Midsummer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people were. And once again, I don't know if COVID played a factor in delaying some stuff with, you know, folks having to work from home and, you know, other difficulties that kicked up. But uh, I think the the release schedule definitely got hindered a little bit because of COVID. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, we we just know there's more content coming out. I think the thing that'll be interesting to see with the festivals is they planned for this repeat cycle, but ha- when the year repeats around, are we going to see something different when Yule rolls around, Yule rolls around for the first time? Are we going to see you know new content, or is it going to be a hey you know sorry you missed last year, here's the same content all over again, which I really hope they don't do. I kind of feel like that's a little bit of lazy development, especially considering they gave the godly reward pack out. So everybody got all the Yule content just about anyway. So I hope they really bring some new stuff when they bring that Yule Festival around again or whatever they bring
0: around. See, I could see the same missions because of how broke they were, but different things in the shop Yeah, is is, is kind of really where I could see. and And that's really all we know and can even begin to speculate for Valhalla but that's not where the series is going to end. The series isn't going to rest on Valhalla for 20 like until 2024 however long it's going to take. The transition will also include transmedia and we're we're talking about books and the upcoming Netflix show, the Netflix anime, but really they're going to break down the content into three different categories before they just pushed out the game novels and a couple comic books and now they're really starting to develop it into three categories there's the classics which we've seen handfuls over and over again which are direct adaptations of the video games there's chronicles which are stories featuring returning assassins which we're seeing now with some of the stories about xiaoyun And then there's Originals, which are new protagonists in new time periods like the audiobook Assassin's Creed Gold. But what we know is coming first is Fragments, which is a trilogy of novels, currently French novels, published by 404 Editions. And that's going to be interesting considering that the overview of this trilogy has been that the only creative input they were given was that the project was to take three writers, three different settings, and focus on young adult tropes like siblings and how it can be affected within Assassin's Creed. And I know the first books out, um, *Azu's Blade, which was written by Oliver Gay, and that was released back in April in France and explores a 16-year-old Atsuko during the 1868 Boshin War in Japan. And I want to take a second, and we, we talked about how they're expanding specifically in the Asian market. And the transmedia that they have announced highlights that. This is one of those time periods in Japanese history that you wouldn't expect a, a video game to go to. So there really isn't much we can say about that one, especially since it's already out. I would expect that to be in English probably by the end of the year. That's kind of how the French comics worked. It took about six months for a translation. The second book, Children's of the Highlands, by Elaine T. Puresguier, um, and it sets during 13th century Scotland. That's due out in France in September. And then the final book is by Adrian Thomas, The Witches of the Land, in 17th century during the French witch trials, which is due out sometime next year. I mentioned Ming Storm, written by Lan Yeshing. This is actually a trilogy of books, and that's due actually, the first one was released in June, uh, on June 1st. And there's a new audiobook based on this one called Turbulence in the Ming Dynasty. And based on, did you ever listen to Assassin's Creed Gold? Uh, I did not. That was interesting. That was about four and a half hours of the 16, 1696 Great Recoinage in in England. And that was, if you get a time to listen to it, listen to it. Definitely need to. And that brings us to really two more things that I want to mention with the transmedia. There is the Jade Seal Collection which is a 10-novel series or short story, depending on what source you look at. And that is meant to explore Chinese history from the 4th to 17th centuries. So I want to mention that specifically because the 4th to 17th centuries is a long time. And if they're writing a big series covering that, what is the chance that we get any of that time period in a game?
1: Oh, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. They they're going to take every opportunity they can to to bring some tie-ins, you know, let you see something in the game and then wait a second, you have that reference back to something you've already read or something that you're now going to read, uh just to see what kind of correlations you have between the two and see if there's any uh you know lore or
0: anything you can pull out of them just to bring them all together. And speaking of, of things like that, there's the Netflix TV show that we know so little about. But I think there's a lot within that Netflix show that can be learned from the movie. Did you... Have you seen the movie? No? Ah. Not yet. (laughs) Well, you don't miss a lot. It's not really that great of a movie. And the lore is choppy at best. I will have to do a podcast on either Aguilar or Column. It's interesting to say the least, and the acting can be eccentric.
1: Yeah, but it's all something to try and satisfy the fans. I mean, that's the
0: main thing. Yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. could have been much worse. <laughs> and then there's the anime that we also don't know anything about, and we don't know when they're coming. That's really what we know about transmedia, and the transmedia can go anywhere across human history. So there's no point in even trying to speculate on authors or locations or, or where they could be going. The, the one thing that we, we do need to talk about, and this is going to be the last thing that we talk about, is the upcoming Assassin's Creed Infinity. And right now, all we really know is that it's a live service game that they plan on servicing for a long period of time. I, I read that uh, GTA 5 Online and Fortnite were kind of inspirations.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the idea behind it is to bring you content and bring you a lot of content quickly. Uh, I know when it was first announced, there was a lot of fans on the Discord, Twitter that were very vocal uh, and that their dislike, they felt like it was pulling away from Assassin's Creed and where it started. But even with Valhalla, I know there were a lot of people that felt like we really, from when we played AC1 and AC2, that things were very different than where they are now and I feel like people want to get back to the roots so when they heard this they're thinking oh they're gonna to go towards a GTA 5 route like it's going to be GTA 5 except just Assassin's Creed based but they have specifically said that there's still going to be a lot of single-player stuff the lore is still gonna be there but they just want to be able to bring you more content and I'm very curious to see how they're gonna tie this in in kind of a live service era you know are they going to focus more on multiplayer or is it just going to be bringing you content with various stories various timelines Uh, there's still a lot to see
0: and that's the thing about the term live service most people when they think live service they think fortnite and gta that's all multiplayer and it's just here's some microtransactions, buy them but we live in an era of ac live service as it is if ac wasn't a live service We wouldn't be getting DLC. We wouldn't be getting free updates to Valhalla. Valhalla is essentially a live service game. But there are some ideas with Infinity that could be interesting. And this is an idea I've been throwing back and forth for about a week now. Probably six years ago, Halo had an app called Halo Waypoint. And that was essentially a hub, which was a key term they used, a hub for Assassin's Creed but Halo Wavepoint was a hub for essentially all things Halo. You had lore articles, you had extra videos, the live action mini movie series thing was there, and you could launch any of the game from any of the games from that app.
1: Yeah, the main thing is just tying the content together, bringing fans from the very first release all the way to the current release, people that are new to the series, just tying it all together and trying to appease all the fans that are out there
0: and you're gonna have to be honest we're not going to we i say we like we're part of ubisoft we're not but as a fan base you can't expect everyone to be happy all the time look at how divisive odyssey was how divisive valhalla's been and as much as valhalla's done for the series it has been divisive Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, you get folks that try and compare Odyssey and Origins, and some of them love Odyssey, they hate Origins, or you get vice versa, yep. and Valhalla was no different. There's some that love it and some that hate it. It's just, it's a, a difference in the series, but once again, as a uh, I say as a true fan, you know, you just, you're trying to get as much info as you can, see how everything ties together and really understand all, as much as you can about it.
0: We're so early in this point that the only things that we can really take out of the announcement of Infinity has been leadership. And, well, I made my stance very clear last week on, my, on the leadership. But that aside, they could make this a game that you explore the life of Cassandra you, from the Peloponnesian war up to when she gives the staff to Layla, that's 2,500 years and you can go anywhere across the world. So it's just a matter of hurry up and wait. Yeah. I mean, that, that's basically all we can do.
1: Cause you know, it's not like we're going to see leaks, you know, or anything as it's approaching release. Cause it's not coming this year. It's not coming next year. We're going to have a few years to wait. So I'm sure within maybe another six months, we may see a little more information, a little more, and we just have to let time go and see what we get as that time passes.
0: So, you're right. They said at earliest, we probably wouldn't see it until 2024, right? Absolutely. So, that's three years away. One question I have for you is, do you think we'll see another full-scale Assassin's Creed release before Infinity?
1: Uh, You know, there's been a lot of people that thought we would. You know, there's been this... Trend of every other year they release. So they do, you know, a release and then they do one year of support with DLC content and then another release. Uh, like I said, I, I think this is another case where COVID really shook things up and they didn't want to start a game from the ground up. So I think, you know, we, we've already seen it with Valhalla. They only planned for two DLCs with Valhalla. And then all of a sudden things change and they're like, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do another year of support. So we're, we've we already got content set up for 2022 the question is are we going to see additional content for Valhalla for 2023 while we await Infinity in 2024 if that sticks to its release timeline Right,
0: you are right you're right cuz we had that Meteor DLC that we're not sure if that's technically been announced because we know Meteor has been a code name uh, supposedly that's been that was a uh, Ubisoft Sophia it's meant to be a smaller game released later but then morphed into a DLC could we see something like that again? Like whatever they had planned for the interim, we know got affected by COVID The because, well, they couldn't do motion capture. They couldn't do uh, a lot of recording for voices. So the question becomes, does whatever they were working on before COVID hit, does that turn into Infinity? Does that turn into a Valhalla DLC? I mean, I guess that's one of the things, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see. Uh, I know when we
1: were talking meteor, you know, there was a lot of speculation that we were thinking that was going to be Mosfelheim and how that comes about, how the gate is revealed. I think we kind of all found out very quickly with the Mastery DLC, that first thing we saw in the opening scene was a giant meteor coming down and kind of revealing a doorway there. So I think that kind of possibly answered some of that. But But that could have been
0: the devs just saying, (laughs) hey, hey. Here's a meteor for you. Yeah,
1: I mean, something else to keep us on our toes. We think we know what we think we know,
0: and surprise, yep. surprise, we don't. So we we could, in theory, see a smaller game come out like Rogue did. That was a six- to eight-hour story, I think. And who's to say they don't take Valhalla's map, the England map, and and just move it forward a couple centuries to tie in Valhalla to... Uh, Assassin's Creed 1 with that's set at the end of the 11th uh, 12th century.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the wonderful thing with the video game world, you can do anything, there's no limitations, so really all we can do is wait and see how they do it.
0: So really that's kind of what we're looking at for the future of the series. We we know Valhalla's getting updates. We know we're getting more transmedia in the next uh, year or two. We know Infinity's coming. The only thing we really don't know, so to speak, is how Infinity will work. Will the leadership now at Quebec and Montreal, now that they're together, make smaller games, bigger games? We, we don't know. And we just don't know how it's going to work. And I think that not knowing is what really has the community questioning because we don't know if... The series that we have spent almost 14 years in now if it's what we believe it should be and if it's led by the people we believe it oh, should absolutely
1: be. i mean you know after 14 years teams have changed hands offices have shifted lead developers have left come and gone i mean you know that that's the nature of it and you know all you can do is try and keep pleasing your fans but it's hard sometimes you know you 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 want to change, you want to round in and bring in more people, but uh, sometimes you wind up losing people uh, because like I said, with Valhalla, there were some people that just really didn't like it. I absolutely loved it. I've put in a lot of time with it and uh, I will always put time into a game like that. I mean, I love seeing where they go and we'll enjoy every bit of it, you know, bugs and all, whatever's there. uh, You know, we get through it, we live and learn. And uh, uh, the main thing is, you know, constructive feedback for the development team. You know, you can't, you know scream at them all day and expect them to just magically fix something you got to help them out so they can help you out and make it yeah. better for the overall community
0: yeah and and that's really all we can do is we can voice our opinion tell them exactly what we think and we just go from there and the biggest way you're going to get a company like ubisoft to listen is to vote with your wallet Don't buy the content if you don't believe in what they're doing or what they're making. Don't... (laughs) It goes into Watch Dogs and Far Cry 2. If you don't believe in the company, don't spend your money on it. Plain and simple. But if you know you're going to enjoy it or you want to give it a try, spend it. You don't have to pay for the microtransactions. The only quote-unquote microtransactions I've bought was the DLC.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the main thing. That's the one thing that I do kind of like is, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, look, the ISU gear sets out. There's all these other sets out. I really want them. I really want them. Well, they, you know, they've got Reta that they've brought back. And guess what? Every day, every week, there's, you know, refreshes and there's items from that Helix store. So if you save up your Opal, you can get exactly what you want without spending on those microtransactions. But... You know, it's the the folks that are impatient that really want it. They're the ones spending. So you're not forced to buy any sort of microtransactions. You get the opportunity. It just requires a little bit of patience on your end and a little bit
0: of dedication, checking every day to see what you want and if it's there. And that, (laughs) believe it or not, comes down to life in general. You either have more time than money or more money than time. Yep. As much as I hate to say it, I think we're going to end the podcast here uh, because we covered a lot of stuff today. But- The real question is, what do you think is the future of the series? Where do you think that is going to head? You can always let me know on Twitter at Visions underscore AC. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. If you love stories about Assassin's Creed lore, please follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcasting platform of choice. And don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast as well. If you have any questions about Assassin's Creed or topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at visions underscore AC. You can find those links in the show notes below. Before we head out for the final little bit, where can they reach you if they want to say hello and, and ask questions of you and your thoughts on Assassin's Creed?
1: Well, I'm always on the Assassin's Creed Discord, so if you know the Assassin's Creed Discord... I'm there. I'm also on Raptors Discord and a few others, so feel free to get me out there. I'm, you'll find me. I'm the Elf out there.
0: Uh, so if you need something, just ping me out there, and I will be more than glad to try and reply to you. And until next time, my Assassin friends, make sure to follow the Creed. And to those Templars listening, may the Father of Understanding guide you.